Hi, welcome back to Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Jack's Corner. Thanks for coming back Um, today. We're going to talk a little bit about some prison stories with Veronica, the Duchess, because we were just talking in my bedroom and I said, you know, this is a great story. We should talk about this. So, um... I want to go back to the conversation we had earlier uh, about the jokes you would have to do, not do, but the jokes that you would play out in prison to, to have some sort of activity and and laughter, laughter. Yeah, it was gallows humor. And um, I was serving life without at the time. So uh, I had been there longer than the other women. I had been there as long as the walls almost. I like the one about the spiders. That was pretty hilarious. Okay, so I'll give you just uh, an antidote real quick here. All right, so it starts off like this. You got um, 40 women, and they're locked on a cell block. Everyone is behind their locked doors, and you can't open the doors. The cops have to do that electronically, and they have cameras and speakers, so forth and so on. So, um, it's evening time, like around five at night, and I came up with this idea that it was like, yeah, that's a good one. Okay, so I yelled under my door. I said, hey, you guys, you guys, everyone, did you guys hear the, did you hear the five o'clock news? Yeah, yeah, what? About the spiders. What, what, what? Yeah, there's spiders that um, are invading and they're the size of a hand. They're big black jumping spiders. And they hide in the bushes. And then when someone comes near them, they jump on the person and bite them. And it's severe, but you don't die. You just have to go to the hospital. And they said, oh my God, no. So then I waited a couple of days and I announced again a few days later. You guys, you guys, did you hear that on the news? The spiders have migrated. They're in Oregon State now, because we're in Washington. Oh my God, no. I said, you guys, let's be safe. Take your towels. <laughs> everyone take your towels and jam them inside the, the ventilation system. Come on, jam them in the vents. Jam them in the vents because that way the spiders can't come in. Put a towel underneath your door just to be safe. Okay, okay, thanks, Ver. And everyone believes me, right, because I've been there as long as the hills of Methuselah, as they say. So now it's been hours later, hours later, and then it's like 10 o'clock at night. It's like, you guys, you guys, did you hear? The spiders are now in Oregon and they're jumping and they're on their way to Washington State. Oh my, I told you guys, it's everyone's, are your vents sealed? Yeah, 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 Compton, we're cool, we're cool. Thanks, Mom. Okay, so now that passes. So now it's the next morning. So I get a paper bag and I take a magic marker and I paint my hand black and I put a hole in the bottom of my commissary bag which is a paper bag and then what I do is I move the hand around I test it in my room and I grab the top of it so it looks like I'm holding something inside the bag and then by moving my hand in my fingertips it sounds like there's a live spider in there or something right so I'm going like this down the hall when they buzz the doors open. It's like, you guys, you guys, I caught one, I caught one. Oh, I don't want to see, I don't, I, come here, come here, you guys, you got to see, you got to see. So some of the braver women came. And I said, here, here, open it up carefully, carefully. And as soon as they opened it up, I went, ah, and I 
pushed my hand through the bottom of the paper bag, and here comes this big black spider, they thought. And they all screamed, and it was hysterical. So that was one of the fun jokes. But it took days, you know, because you want to do it, like when you plan those kinds of jokes out, you've got to give it days to ferment, you know. And that was one of them. Yeah. Uh, that was just one of them. Yeah. So I what have a joke to pass time. It was hysterical. Yeah. I used to love to come up with those. And the women loved it, too, because it distracted them for a long time. Okay. So this is Sister Me again. Uh, this is page 216, chapter 7, October 7th, 1988. Sometimes doing time feels natural. Feels as if this is where I fit into the world around me. The walls, the bars, the steel chains and cuffs no longer hold meaning, only routine. The fights, the verbal, emotional, and psychological violence all lose their shock value and are established as commonplace to the point of drawing no notice, no significance. Sometimes prison, jail, is the total world and anything not in it is left out of consideration about as forgotten as the starving people of Ethiopia to the average Joe Blow. You of the world outside the walls can recognize it exists, but you forget. You ignore without intending to because your life is so distant from that reality. Prison. So freedom seems to me sometimes. There is a presence of numbness that envelops the sane mind in an anesthetized slumber. There's a defense mechanism that keeps one from going mad or being too extreme from the cumulative effects of long-term horror. To react entirely sanely in a very long-term jolt would be either to give up sanity altogether or to try to get away. When that is blocked, the numbness is really not an entirely unhealthy thing. To survive with some of your emotions intact is the truest test of endurance here the great demand of my confined living. Fear? What is there to fear? But the loss of you just couldn't lose one more thing? I've already lost them. October 6, 1988. Woke up to Bobby and Lane fighting again in the day room. The goon squad quickly came and took Bobby away. Now the women are chattering like old hens at a feeding trough. No one here really understood Bobby. They haven't had the experience of knowing her before her seven-and-a-half-year jolt in prison, before she broke, like I do. They say that after her release, Bobby turned into a bag lady. When she entered the tank six days ago, I couldn't take in her transformation. I expected the same Bobby I'd known the years before. As it turned out, some unspeakable tragedies had redefined her, little by little. In 1981, she was an attractive, strong, quiet black woman, and judging from her public behavior, she was a lady. After that, I served so much time in lockdown in Max that when I did see her again in general population years later, I knew nothing of how she had been getting on in WCCW, the prison. Even then, she appeared the same. It wasn't until her transfer to another prison and subsequent release and then rearrest here at Pierce County that I have come to recognize the toll of those years in prison. It was remarkable to see 
as though a whole new person had been cut from the fabric of the person she once was. But the cutting had not been a coherent outline. Rather, it was as though she had been reduced to a bag of scraps, and these had been haphazardly reassembled. Too many pieces were left by the wayside. When we met in the day room five days ago, we embraced the gesture of mutual respect among those of us who have pulled long time. I didn't then notice any great change. Later, as the evening progressed, and she spoke of the years gone by, recalling prison, always dwelling on prison, I recognized the fragmentation. Over the next few days, a new character emerged. She was verbally crude, hardcore and argumentative. Prison. Everything seemed to revolve around prison. It was the sum total of her world and the common denominator of her value system. All was reduced to the quintessence of doing time. In her bouts of mania, which were manifested gradually before my eyes, growing like a whirlwind does till it reaches its peak, she spoke in an idiosyncratic language one only those who have experienced long-term deprivation could understand. I understood. Her half-mad, half-sentenced gibberish, and it spoke a direct word of condensed prison experience, not unlike poetry. Poetry of the most harrowing kind. Together we laughed in a wild frenzy, having a secret knowledge of a darker reality. We left the others, short-timers in the tank, somewhat spellbound and confused, then alienated and finally dismissed. Yet some of them are coming to that reality one day, and perhaps here and there, one of you, too, my listeners, my readers. We shared what is superficially considered by others as gallows humor. It is in its body a mutilated form of human perspective. It appears to be an hysterical reaction, yet paradoxically it is the sanest reason that emerges from having seen too much truth and too little justice. You might even say it is the crude oil of knowledge before the more painful parts of the truth were find out and that free world luxury comes, that self-saving, comfortable illusion that things really are right. This was her second fight in three days. Yesterday it was Linda that the goon squad took. Like Bobby, she too had done years in prison with me, and similarly, she had been changed by it. For her there was no madness, only the anger to which she intermittently gave way. For example, after her fight with Bobby, she retaliated against the gossiping others by demanding that they return all the commissary items she had previously bestowed on them generously. Once the goods were collected in front of them, she marched openly before their disbelieving eyes and disposed all of the goods in the dayroom garbage. She did this as a statement of her displeasure over their back-biting ways. 
That, though, wasn't what got her transferred to the I-block, isolation block, punishment wing where I lived for eight years. What did that was her outspoken and direct confrontation over a guard's abuse of power. She cited the jail's policy at breakfast to the attending guard in opposition to his self-made rules. That's what gets the attention of the officials. They took her, and I again will now petition her release and return. Okay, so that's um, very just good. An excerpt. Very good. Well, thank so, you. So, there were women that often fought in the prison that were known for fighting. Yes, they were. Um, a lot, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty commonplace. And it's just interesting how you talk about the coming in and coming out of prison and re the returning of, to prison. Yes. Wow. Well, um, it's a revolving door. The thing is that um, incarceration doesn't work. Uh, what it does, if anything, is it can train a human being to be kowtowed, and go from one abusive relationship, which is usually the streets, their pimps and drug lords um, that handle the addictions that they have, the beatings, the rapes, all of that. Um, and they learn to be submissive. And so when they come to prison, the guards replace the pimps and the uh, drug lords. It's just a different system. It is. It's the same system, but it's just a different name. That's how I always saw it. And my job in there, as far as I was concerned, was that I was to empower them by teaching them, teaching right. them about what it all, what was happening in front of my eyes, and to let their eyes be opened as well, to understand that when we've been victimized um, and abused as children and later young adults, that we will find ways to replicate those abusive relationships without intending to. Yes. And these women would say, what is it? I have a victim um, stamped on my forehead and I get all the abusers. I said, yeah, basically we do. So until we can learn to empower ourselves and to stop giving off those signs and how to watch out for who these abusers are, it's going to keep repeating itself and our children will repeat the cycle too. Yeah. So, um, as far as I was concerned, my job, after I had done about seven and a half years and I had learned enough, I had self-taught myself through many, many books, a lot of reading. Um, were you allowed to read when you were in isolation? Because you were in isolation for eight years. Yeah, for six of the months I was in a strip cell, so I wasn't even given a Bible. But by law they were supposed to give me a Bible, and I should have had a pencil, but they didn't give that to me either. After six and a half months, um, a a grievance counselor came to the doors and he was knocking on each door talking to each woman in isolation and he said hi you're Veronica Compton I said yes I said um, is there any way that I can file a complaint and um, he said of course I'm a grievance coordinator that's why I'm here he said don't you have any way to file a grievance I said no I've been trying to get a grievance filed for six and a half months I've had no writing paper no books nothing I'm in a strip cell, the lights are out, the water's turned off, and it was a blackout box, literally a blackout box. Jeez. So it was solid black, and you're in the shadows. Um, you're living in dark shadow, basically. And um, that was their choice. You know, They're the ones that 
blocked off the windows, you know, by using plywood on the outside of the windows and then painting them black so that there was no visual light yeah, to come no in. Yeah, no sunlight. Yeah, and then they put flaps on the doors. So, um, and then they put uh, underneath the doors, they put uh, thick plastic so that light couldn't escape and I couldn't pass, you know, whatever, which I had no pens to write with anyway, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty horrendous. Uh, yeah, I'll see. Yeah, I I survived some of the worst of times. In, but because I survived them, I became an advocate um, against that kind of tyranny and filed lawsuits with Nina Jordan. And uh, we won. And with Mickey Baldiff, Good. we won. We won some suits. So, yeah, we, we were able to make some changes. And I filed a lot of grievances all the way up to Chase Rivlin, who was secretary of the Department of Corrections, and um, Eldon Vale. And uh, I was able to change some state policies. But, um, yeah, you can never change enough policies because you've got a cruel environment that is dehumanizing and abusive. And you can make all the changes you want. But it's like if you can find a human being in a room, a blackout box, no running water, um, so you can't drink water when you're thirsty, you can't eat when you want, you can't read or write, and then you come in and you um, torment them and beat them, and then you say, wait a minute, I'm going to file a grievance, and then you can only beat me once a day instead of five times a day, for example. You know, that seems like progress, but the fact is is that it's not progress, it's still abusive power, mm -hmm. abuse of power. So... Um, there were a lot of horrific things that happened um, from, you know, I was molested uh, and raped when I was in there and other women were as well. Yeah. So, you know, that's, um, it's the nature of prison. It, and the crime still exists. Yeah, it does because you, you, prisons you, you, you don't put, work. You put a lot of people in an environment, especially a prison environment, the crime is still going to exist, I think, to some extent. Well, the worst part is when you see these women that come in there and they become the abusers, you know? So they perpetuate the abuse that they went through on the streets. And then they, we call it punking out a woman. Okay. So they would prey on the weaker women oh. and beat them up and make them have sex with them and oh, take all their wow. money that their families gave them and make their life a living sounds hell. like a bully to me it's beyond a bully my love this is you know yeah. bully is high school and it shit. goes on so no, that's just unfortunate shit. yeah we're talking people getting cut you know i mean we're talking people dying there's a big difference jackie i'm glad i've never been to prison and i don't ever plan on going to prison no no, you don't ever want to go. I don't ever want anyone to have to go. I think that the whole system is wrong from the get-go. It's like I say, um, it's like saying, well, you know, we're going to legalize rape. And um, so we're going to give you guys rights. So you only get raped four times a day instead of five. The point of it is rape is rape is rape. Prison is prison is prison. We need to have more progressive ideas. We already know that prisons don't work and they don't reform anyone. If anything, you prisonize people where they cannot live outside of a system and they become dependent. Right. And then you have crimophobia, which you 
you, you've talked about in the past. Right. Crimophobia is a word that I coined about 20 years ago. And to me, it's the phobia of people that have been incarcerated that have committed, quote, crimes. And, um, you know, you have to bear in mind that what are considered crimes today aren't crimes in 10 years, 20 years. It just depends, you know, how you, where you are in a society and, you know, what is deemed as a crime at that particular time. Because when I was growing up, there was no such thing as um, saying that you were raped and, um, you know, there were no outreaches for girls that were abused. Um, yeah, not back of then. Stuff. None no. of that stuff was really prevalent. No, 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 no. Not at all. It was non-existent because I had been kidnapped for two and a half years. And um, yeah, I know I lived through it. But um the societies change as they become hopefully more enlightened. History does have a way of repeating itself. And um, my psychiatrist that I worked with for 17 years, we became good friends. Her name was Janice Loken. She was head psych in Washington State for the prisons for about 25 years. And she had worked in male facilities. Then she came to the female facility. And um, I was lucky enough to meet her and work with her. And uh, she told me, she said, Veronica, um, prisons are, and penal, the concepts of peniology and punishment for crimes are, they're on a, a pendulum, if you can imagine. And every 20 to 30 years, the pendulum swings from one rightist, the right wing um, conservative point of view, all the way to the left, you know, where they're more liberal. And she said it goes back and back. So, you know, you're fighting right now an uphill battle because you are fighting in a time where this is the punitive time of society. But in another 25 years, the pendulum is going to swing back. And, you know, it was a very, you know, she was a brilliant woman, obviously. And she taught me a lot. And that was one of the things she taught me. And she was true. It was it was factual. Yeah. Well, would you say the pendulum has swung back since then? It did. But um, now this is 2021. So, you know, th we're talking this. She told me this back in the late 80s. So 90, 2000, the pendulum started becoming more liberal and more humanitarian. Well, yeah, they legalized now, marijuana. Yeah, and That then, was a huge step. And then when we had Trump for a president, that shows you the ultra stupidity, <laughs> ultimate stupidity. I could not, I don't ever believe that he won the vote. Um, but anyway, so we have some idiot like Trump who was actually president of the United States. Are you serious? That's yeah, for such four a years. Shame. That's such a shame. You know, it just wonder who's next. Oh, well, it won't be another Trump. Not for a while. <laughs> That'll come again. Unfortunately, I hate to say within our lifetime, but not for a while. Right. Okay. Well, we uh, have been uh, in training with our new kitties. Oh, yeah. We have kittens, Max and Akira. We've had them for a week now, and uh, we're, having, twins. We're, we're having a hard time potty training the boy, Max. Yes. Well, boys are always slower, whether they're of the human species or the animal. Yeah, but we even bought some um, kitty litter attractant, yeah. and I mixed it in there, which looks like catnip. It's interesting. I mixed it in with the cat litter, and Akira doesn't have a problem. She'll go in the litter box. But Max, we just... 
we put him in and he jumps back out. We can't quite get him to grasp that this is where you're supposed to go to the bathroom. Or he tries to eat it, you know. So, but, you know, he's a male. And um, male species are always like that, whether they're human beings, whether they're animal kingdom. It's just part of the males' brains are different than females. And it takes them longer to mature. Yeah. Well, um... So that's what's going on with, with us. And then I also want to talk about our recent SUV conversion. And breakdown. <laughs> yeah, I went ahead and uh, Veronica and I have been talking about taking a road trip, possibly to the Grand Canyon. And we want to, excuse me, road trip this this uh, part of our life. So we decided to take the back seats out of our SUV we have a GMC Yukon Denali, a 2007. Well, Jackie decides this, okay, because she's the one that chose the Denali. So this is all her cha-cha. So Jackie says we... We had some leftover plywood and two-by-fours. I went ahead and put them together. It wasn't that difficult because they were partly together. But I created a platform, and we ordered a six-inch foam, full-size memory foam mattress that's Excellent. in the back. So we have it completely set up in the back. She did a great job. The middle row just folds down, and then the second platform just falls on top of the first one. So there's lots of storage underneath because and it's underneath like a bed on stilts. Where it would be the whole back, the whole back row. There's all that room that goes all the way up until the um, the middle row seats. So Jackie also bought um, our portable stove and our portable shower and our portable what else? We have a portable toilet. Portable toilet, yeah. Yeah. So we can um, do road tripping. But then what just happened, and... here we're all planned to go do this stuff, right? Well, luckily it happened soon. And the car failed on Jackie. So that was a big yeah, ordeal yesterday. I was, I was stuck at CVS yesterday. I went to go pick up some medication from drive-thru. And as soon as it was time for me to go, I go to put the car in drive and the gear shifter wouldn't go to drive or neutral or reverse or anything. It would just stay in park and slip down into God knows what (laughs) gear. So, um, I had to call a tow truck and it finally took a while to get there, but she was stuck there for like four and a half hours. I have AAA. We have AAA and AAA's policy since COVID-19 hit is that no passengers are allowed in the truck with the tow truck driver, which means you're left to call Uber if you use Uber or get a ride Just or so get you know, your own you transportation. Yeah, so I was like, wow, what happens if you're stuck in the desert? And the guy, a tow truck driver, goes, says, I know, I know, but unfortunately that's their policy until um, they let with loose COVID, yeah. with COVID. And he says, which is going to be happening soon, so, you know, just stay tuned. Yeah, I hope all of you guys have gotten your vaccines. Jackie had So I hers. had to get a ride, but the cool thing, yes, I got my Moderna vaccines. I, and I I've got had my last one. vaccine on, on April 13th. And Veronica gets her Pfizer second dose on May 15th Yeah, from CVS. And I got mine from my doctor. But uh, so uh, the tow truck driver shows up. And I'm sitting there literally camped out at the CVS drive-thru. No one can come in and pick up their meds. I pull out my camping chair and I'm sitting there with my, with my Diet Coke 
And anyone that pulls up to pick up their medicines, I go up to their car and let them he know that. He has to that flag them down. They and have say, to park and go inside yeah. if they're picking up their meds because my car broke down at the drive-thru and I'm waiting for a tow truck. So I was stuck doing that for over an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. Over over that. Yeah, and then I, then I had to have hours. my brother come pick me up. Luckily, he was home. So that happened. But the mechanic, the mechanic, the tow truck diver was able to mechanically find out what was wrong with the car. And it was something that's broken underneath it, completely underneath the car, underneath the engine that affects the gear shifter on the steering wheel. So he didn't think it was a good idea to drive it. So I have it parked right now in front of the house until I get a hold of my mechanic. I already left him a voicemail. So I'm just waiting to hear back from him to find out when I can take the car in. And I might risk driving it there since it's literally like two and a half blocks. Yeah. Up the street, not too far from here. And uh, I would only have to shift it into gear twice between here and his shop. So, um, as long as I'm careful because the piece that is connecting this, this mechanism is broken. So it's a little plastic. Uh, that's what we're going to have to do and get a transmission flush. And then we're pretty much ready to hit the road. We're just waiting for the kitties to grow up a little bit more, but we're going to be pretty much ready to hit the road pretty soon. And we are going to take a beach trip. We ended up trying to get some camping on, uh, Thornhill broom, which is a campsite here near Malibu, near Point Magoo, and they didn't have anything, which is where I want to go. Until they didn't have when? anything until October. October. So we booked our, our stay for the month of October there. But yeah, can you imagine? Here it is only May, and um, it's booked solid till October. Yeah. And we got this really cool tent set up that attaches to the back of the SUV, a to the back of the tailgate and it extends out and it gives you more privacy and it has a net and it has a, a shade to cover up your your tailgate if and it's, we've got a portable a portable plastic table and the chairs so we have everything that we need yeah everything we need we have we even have a little inverter so we can convert power right. from the cigarette lighter for, for our usb plugs yeah, yeah for computers Telephone. anything pretty much any even any any um device uh cord powered equipment we can plug into our inverter which is really really neat so i'm looking forward to take a trip and we'll tell you all about the success of these little doohickeys that yeah we'll be doing gotten. a video as well and posting that on museum diaries and uh very recently if you want to go to our youtube channel museum americana we just posted a video of our kittens max and akira that we just recently adopted so that video really cute video is up if you want to check that out and i also did a video of the suv conversion the gmc yukon conversion into a camper type vehicle you can check that out also on youtube at museum americana museum diaries you guys so that's pretty much it i don't have anything else for you guys other than to be careful stay safe and get vaccinated i think the the more people get vaccinated the quicker we can go back to our regular activities um and we i was pretty excited to hear we my brother love and peace yes and a lot prayers. lots of love and peace for you guys uh i just wanted to mention my brother sent me a text today that he was going to the movies and i said no covid restrictions 
And he said, just masks. So I was surprised to hear that the movie theaters are starting to open. So that means slowly things are starting to open. So we look forward to that. Yeah, and I would like to add, um, all of you try to remember to be compassionate to those around you and be loving and forgiving because when we don't forgive we can be self-crucifying so just be aware it doesn't mean we forget but um don't hold on to things that are out of your hands and just try to be loving and kind to yourself and others um and try to smile for the world because we all need to be uplifted even when we're set on the inside reach out to those that can handle whatever grief that we have um, but be aware that everyone is carrying their burdens too and we send you our love and our prayers and our hope that you all are safe and that your day is good and your futures are blessed yes well thank you very much for thank tuning for into this us. podcast you guys we will see you in the next podcast pretty soon here stay tuned and once again Make sure you check us out on YouTube, Museum Americana. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Love and peace out.